Hello folks, welcome back to the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast. This is another of our bite-sized episodes and I'm your host, Simon Ward. If you're not already a regular listener, then I hope that after listening, you might feel you want to come back. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button so you know whenever a new episode arrives. And just so you know, these podcasts are published twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays, ad-free and with my mission of improving the health and performance of all endurance athletes. To help me, I'd love it if you could share this episode with just one person who you think could benefit. And if you have a couple more minutes, perhaps you could leave me a review on your chosen platform once you finish listening to this episode. Now, the subject of today's broadcast is how to achieve consistency in your training. It's one of the questions that I guess asked quite a lot by new members to some of our Facebook groups and also by members of my SWAT group and the athletes I coach more closely on a one-to-one basis. So in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to try and explain that. A long time ago, in 1989, I attended my first ever training camp in Israel with a chap called Bernie Shrewsbury, who at that time was Great Britain triathlon champion. I learned a lot from that camp, but one of the most valuable lessons that I learned is this, and it'll always stand fast throughout the ages. Consistency is the key to success. I wrote that down in my training diary. And if you visit my Facebook page, you'll be able to see a photo of that exact note that I made. If you ever hear an elite athlete talk about why their season's been so good, you'll often hear them also referring to the fact that their training has been super consistent. So if you have one focus for your winter training or indeed your training for the next 10 years, it should be this. Be consistent. This, above anything else, will hugely influence whether you reach your goals and achieve those big, hairy ambitions that you have. Okay, now that's taken me about one minute to say it, but the reality of being consistent will take you much longer to achieve and me, at least the rest of this podcast, to outline some of the steps that will allow you to have uninterrupted training. So before we go down there, let's talk about what gets in the way of you achieving consistency. One of the first things is illness or injury. So why do we get injured? Well, in endurance sports, most injuries are chronic, which means they build up over time. Think about that niggle you've had for a few weeks with your knee or the tight calf that just won't go away. Other injuries are what we call acute injuries. And these happen in an instant. An example of that is falling from your bike, which could lead to a break or a fracture. And that restricts training or stops it for a while. Or you can slip on the ice while walking to or from work and that could result in a torn muscle. So these are much less common for endurance athletes, but they do happen. The other thing that gets in the way is that we get ill. Now, in my mind, and if you're a medical practitioner, feel free to challenge me on this. But my own experiences of my illnesses and those of my athletes is we get ill when our bodies are depleted and they're not recovering. There could be many reasons for this. High training load combined with either a high workload or a heavy social calendar, poor sleep or low energy availability due to subpar eating. All of these on their own or combined can lead to a suppressed immune system, which then means that when you do come into contact with germs, 
And that's particularly topical for this time of year when you're all probably getting ready to go to Christmas parties and socialize a bit more and drink alcohol. You're in contact with these germs, you're less likely to be able to resist them if your body's run down. I think about that. Now, heavy workload. Many of the athletes I've had the pleasure of working with have their own business or hold very senior and responsible positions in companies. And this generally requires high levels of work time and stress. Most of it's manageable, but occasionally it leads to them having to focus on this rather than their training. Now, what I would say is that these events are generally not unforeseen, as in you could predict them. Accountants, for example, expect to be super busy in January leading up to the end of the tax year. And many other businesses are cyclical and have busy and not so busy times of the year. So in the same way that we periodize training in preparation for an event, one could also periodize training around your work events. Now, as a coach, it's my job to look into the future and help folks plan around these times thus reducing the training load and enabling them to maintain consistency with just a lower training volume. There are many cases where athletes refuse to acknowledge this increase in workload and rather than adjusting the training, they just try to plow on regardless. And you can imagine that the outcomes are inevitable and trading suffers. Another factor that interrupts consistency is fatigue. Now, fatigue is usually a culmination of all of the things that we've talked about above, but often it results in poor sleep and that then results in poor nutrition choices. It can creep up on you, especially if you're focused on preparing for a race and leading a busy life. And it does help if you monitor your recovery metrics, such as mood and muscle soreness. Now, usually, if you insert a couple of days of no or very light training, that will make a difference. But if you ignore the warning signs, it'll push you close to illness or injury. And as I've mentioned above, the consequences will be fairly obvious. All right. Now, there's something else which comes along, which perhaps you can't avoid. And these are emergencies. You can't do anything about them, but you can adjust your training. So you can take a couple of days away to look after your family or friends. It gives you the space to cope with an emergency situation and devote your energy to them. But if you do have a family or a work emergency and you try to keep training whilst dealing with it, the extra stress could overload your system. And it's not that you're doing more training, which is the problem. It's the fact that you're probably not recovering as well, which leads to those issues which cause you to get run down and maybe get ill and miss training. So now that we've talked about some of the factors that get in the way of your consistency, let's give you some practical advice on what you can do to stay consistent. So please bear in mind all the things we've talked about above and think about this. Be realistic. In my SWAT group, I have training plans of different volumes that are available to members. So they can choose something around six or seven hours, or they can choose a program that's 10 or 12 hours. And I see many folks choosing the higher volume plans, thinking that this will lead to a better fitness in the long term. But unfortunately, after a few weeks, this weekly load becomes overwhelming and they end up adjusting to a lower but much more manageable weekly volume. So I'll give you a steer on how to work out what the right weekly volume is for you. Firstly, ignore social media and what others say they're doing. Everyone likes to post their biggest week on social media. Then ignore those who tell you if you're training for you can insert your own race there, but if you're training for an Ironman or an Ultra, then this is the type of volume you need to do. Ignore all that. Take a look at your training diary. 
and work out what your average training volume has been for the past few months or years. It will be, which might be surprising to you, very consistent. Lower in the winter, higher in the summer, but overall very similar in hours. For example, over a six-year block, including COVID, when we all probably trained a bit more, my average training volume varied by about 60 to 75 minutes. And the average of those was around 10 hours a week across all sports and including weights. So if I was choosing a training plan for myself, I'd be looking for one that was around 10 hours per week. So what you need to do is find your sweet spot of weekly hours. So 10 hours is around my sweet spot. And there'll be times when you can add more training in if you get the opportunity. Once you've found your sweet spot, then that then that's a, a volume of training that you can sustain for long periods of time, many, many weeks. It doesn't really interfere with your work or your family or your social life, etc. And also, this training load means you'll have energy available for your family and to cope with those unforeseen events. Stay consistent by paying attention to the aches and pains. Get them seen to and treated. And if that means easing back or stopping for a short period, that's much better than missing a bigger block by soldiering on and then getting injured. And it's a lot easier on your pocket and your mood. It might even be better to schedule in a proactive visit to your physio rather than be reactive, which means only going when you're injured. Because as I mentioned above, that's more expensive, worse for your mood, and it damages your consistency. On top of that, you need to stay on top of recovery. And recovery isn't just about having an easy day or rest day. It starts with getting consistent, good sleep. Yeah, there's that word again, consistent. It goes through everything that we do. Managing your stress levels and eating well. Please listen to the Bite Size podcast if you need some ideas on how to set up some really nice, simple principles for your daily nutrition. And if you need that extra day off or more easy sessions, then take them. Remember, it's about keeping the street going. And sometimes you need to be flexible with your plan. Focus on technique. This is another theme that you hear regularly. The ability to move easily and efficiently will not only help you to race better, especially over long distances, but it'll also help you to avoid injury. Poor technique is a key indicator of of injury potential in the pool with things like shoulder issues or when running with lower limb injuries. And as I've said in previous blogs and podcasts, it's a lot easier on your body to spend more time training to improve technique than it is to train at a high intensity. And you'll recognize this, particularly if you're an older athlete where you need to be kinder to your body. Finally, please don't compromise the next session. Malcolm Brown, that esteemed coach and regular podcast guest, had a rule for Alistair and Johnny Brownlee and the rest of the performance triathlon squad in Leeds. Don't turn up tired. And this was his rule for the Tuesday night track session and the Saturday morning grass intervals, which meant that those athletes had to be mindful of how hard they trained on a Monday and a Tuesday morning and on Fridays. But it was a policy that helped those athletes in Leeds, or some of them anyway, to get into the Olympic teams and, again, for some of them to bring home gold medals. So please plan your schedule carefully so that you never turn up to a session unable to complete it as you'd scheduled. All right. So sometimes the content of the plan is not as important as your ability to turn up every day. Of course, if you're playing badminton and five-a-side football instead of swimming, biking, running, that's not really going to help your triathlon performance. But I think you get the picture by now. Athletes commonly agonize over whether they should do max sprints in the pool or CSS intervals. Or should I do a zone two session and a bike or hill repeat? Well, let me tell you this. If you swim, bike and run regularly 
adding some occasional intensity on a day when you're feeling good and do lots of strength and mobility and sleep and eat well and are able to repeat that, you'll do just fine. It's a simple formula and there's no need to make it any more complicated than that. And if you can string together lots of sessions right through to April, you'll be in a great position. Right, that's all for me this week. If you think I missed something out or you have any questions, please drop me an email. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you think there might be somebody else who would benefit from listening to this or any of the other bite-sized podcasts, please feel free to share it. And if you like the podcast, please could you leave a rating or a review on your chosen platform. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week for another bite-sized episode.